Grace New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. Today, Randy is teaching on the war cry of refuge. Please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 91 as we celebrate and remember our first responders, those brave souls who run into the danger instead of away from it. Let's listen now. I remember that morning well. I was at New York Deli Bagel having breakfast with Tyler Thigpen and that first plane hit and we thought it was an accident. And then the second one hit and we realized what was going on. There were people we knew in the Pentagon. We gathered as a staff, made phone calls. We prayed, we went home. Just a little while later, I was on an airplane flying to New York and I looked down and I could see the lights as they were working there at the pit. We landed, we caught a train, we caught another train and I'm standing there in that very same place. I've got, I was with the Billy Graham Prayer Center and I had a, a badge, I had no idea where I could go and I went through the first line of security and the second line of security and I came to this one final, there was a, a female police officer there and, and I walked up to her and she said, um, can I see your badge? And I said, yes. And I said, I don't, I don't know where I can go here. I said, please tell me where I can go here. And she goes, well, with that badge, you can go anywhere that you want that's safe. And I said, I haven't felt safe in two months. You remember that? Remember what it felt like? We didn't know where it was gonna end. We're gonna leave the lights down just for privacy here because of who all's in the room, but um, we, we wanna honor the people that run to the problem this morning. A lot of people ran away, and a lot of people ran too. And they ran into those towers, knowing very well what it meant. So if you are a first responder, um, or you are, um, you, we have people that, we have people here for, that work in funeral homes. You, you go and you, you go to those places. You, you walk through that valley of the shadow of death. If you are in police or medical or a first responder, um, would you stand this morning? Would you please stand just where you're at? We're not gonna embarrass you by asking you to say your name or anything. Would you just stand, please, wherever you are? Go ahead and stand. We have, we have um, someone here this morning, the elected, um, the highest elected first responder uh, in our county is Sheriff Taylor, and he's here representing um, all of the first responders, and we have a gift if you're a first responder, again, if you're, if you're a medical person, I, I, we got some medical people out there that are not standing right now because I see you because I've visited you. You should be standing right now. Um, you need to go ahead and stand up. Um, but we're gonna, um, we've got a gift. Um, so Sheriff Taylor, would you come down here? Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, you can do that. And Chris, I got, I got a gift for you here. That hat right there, that hat. We, um, 
We're going to teach Psalm 91 today, and we've got, we made Psalm 91 hats for all of our, all of our people, um, and uh, so your head's like mine, but probably a little smaller, okay, a little smaller than mine, all right, so, um, but thank you, thanks for what you do. Uh, Chris, why don't you come on over here, and um, why don't a couple other people come down this way, we just want to pray, and if there's people around you, um, we, we just want to pray and thank God for all those people that, that run to the problem. Um, there's other people in our church that do that very job, and they're all working today. Uh, Daniel Frost. Um, it, our officer is out in the hallway making sure our kids are safe right now. Where's he at? Come on, over, come on up here. Come on up here. Now, I know we got, we got Sheriff and Gwinnett PD here, okay? So, um, but, but that's okay. All right, okay. We are so thankful, um, Officer Rooks, uh, here every week. We have other officers here on Wednesday night. Um, you know... They, they put this uniform on. And they're the first ones that go to the problem. They don't run from it. And I'm just so grateful. Um, I'm so grateful for that, that we live in a place where there's people who are willing to step into that gap for us. So thank y'all. Uh, Chris, would you, would you pray for them? Chris, one of our elders, one of our new elders. This is, your, this is your first like official elder duty, isn't it? So don't you blow it, brother. Don't blow for it. The first responders. <laughs> there's like, if there's ever a group of people I don't feel worthy to pray for, it's our first responders. There's nothing in my life I've done to compare. John the Baptist told Jesus, I'd feel like I'm not worthy to take your strap off your sandal. And I kind of know what he feels like right now. So um, you all run into danger. You don't run from it. There are things in your life that Will, will happen, experiences you have, you can't explain to anybody, you can't tell to anybody. And how I pray for you, I, I am at a loss, other than to say that God keep you, that God cover you, mm. his spirit walk with you and dwell inside of you, that his hedge of protection would be around you every day of your life, that every time you leave your home, that God would bring you back to your dwelling place, to your family, that he would protect your life your limbs, your health, your mind, your spirit. And he would go with you all day long and walk arm in arm. I pray, God, that you would protect them in all facets of their life, that you would cover them, Father God, in your blood and your spirit, that you protect their families, Father God, and keep them whole in the name of Jesus. And that everywhere that they go, Father God, that your spirit, Father God, would light them up and that people would see you through them, through their actions, through their hard work, through their dedication to, the, to mankind, Father God, and to helping others. Your word says in John 15, 13, that there is no greater love than this, that someone would lay down their life for a friend. And you all do that all day and all night long. So Sheriff Taylor, uh, officer, give me your name one more time. Rooks. Rooks, all of our first responders here, I just pray that God cover you and he keep you. Amen. 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 Thank y'all so much.
Well, y'all can greet each other now. If you want to stand back up, we're going to read the Bible together. So I got a hat for you too. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Well, open up your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Psalm 91. We are departing from our Roman series just for a little bit here to dig into this. This is um, Psalm 91, verse 1. This is God's 911. We want to read four verses here together. Psalm 91, beginning at verse 1. We're going to put it up on the screen. So if you would read it with me from this ESV, I would appreciate it. I'll read it at a pace we can read together. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. And may God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated. I wanna talk to you today about refuge. Fear has a war cry, but refuge has a war cry. Refuge is such an incredibly powerful word, and when we talk about refuge, we are talking about those things in life that would harm us, but I think for most of us, principally, it is honestly not from danger. For most of us, that refuge is from fear. Can I get an amen on that? Some of us live in situations or lives or have things going on in our lives where we have, to, we have that physical danger. Some of those men and women are at work even today, go to this church. But for most of us, that danger is not a physical danger. For most of us, that, that's an emotional, it's a spiritual danger that, that we come up against and how we are gonna respond to that. It can cripple our hearts, it can cripple our bodies, it can cripple our souls. But that refuge, I believe, is not a place there is no safe place. Some people build safe rooms. There is no safe place, but there is a safe person, and we get to call him Father, church. We get to call him Father. I am thankful that I got to grow up in the home of a first responder, and I, I know that I'm going to tell a couple stories today that are older stories, and some of y'all have heard these stories, and if you've heard them before, uh, you know, I just would appreciate it if you would laugh. Uh, <laughs> like you haven't heard them before. You know, some pastors, listen, some pastors have laugh tracks and applause tracks. I don't have that. I just got faithful people, all right? So, so I'm gonna count on you, but my dad was a first responder, but he was also our scoutmaster, and, and in the early 60s, he was police chief in, in our hometown, and my brothers were at Boy Scouts, and, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then. They had, they had speakers on the, on the police car, and it came over that the police, the county and state police were chasing this guy. And my dad went from, you know, scouting and he was wearing his, his khaki shirt and his khaki shorts and his, you know, whatever, the sash thing with his ribbons and all that stuff on it and his, and his, and his hat and everything. He ran, he ran and got in the police car and he knew where this guy was coming and where he was going and, and he basically cornered this guy and arrested this guy. Well, because it was a, city police had arrested, we got first crack at him. So, you know, not much happens in Wilmore, Kentucky. So 
you know, the, the, the judge came and held court that night. They sold popcorn, you know, made a, made a big event out of it, you know, a little town. And, and, and the judge got up and sentenced him five days in our, in our, little, in our local jail, which we had bought. Uh, this, is a true, this is a true story. Our jail was a lion cage we bought from Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus. I, it's, we still have that there, okay? It's about this tall. And um, so if you were tall, you don't want to get arrested in Wilmore. And, and the, the, guy, the guy that got arrested, he said, Your Honor, uh, before I go, I want to make a statement. He said, I, There's things I've done in my life that I'm not proud of. I've been arrested by state police and county police and constables and and sheriffs, he said, I'm, I'm ashamed of some of the things I've done. I, I, was in, I was in the military, been arrested by MPs numerous times. He said, but today I reached an all-time low. Today I got arrested by a Boy Scout. <laughs> it's, in the, it's in the city records. It's there. I've, I've read it in the city records. Um, but I, I grew up in the home of a first responder. These are the people who, who go to the problem. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. When you dwell with God, you abide in his shadow. He stands between you and the trauma. He's between you and that place. I say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress. There is a response back to that, my God in whom I trust. See, this is not principally about physical danger. This is principally about something else. When you dwell in the shadow, when you dwell in the shelter, you can abide in the shadow. And he can be that refuge. He can be that fortress. Verse three, he'll deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Some of these are things that come towards you that you can see. Some of these are things that you can't see. He says, he will cover you with his pinions. He's staying in this theme here of, of, the, of the fowler, of the bird. He'll cover you with his pinions, with, with, the, with the long feathers. With, under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. Jesus pretty much quotes this passage, builds off this passage in Matthew 22, verse 37. He comes to Jerusalem. This is near the end of his ministry. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? There's a story of a farmer and he had a hen house. How many of y'all remember hen houses? You, you, and you, you know, there's no eggs like fresh country eggs. I mean, when you've seen the mama chicken, you know, you, you just, you, it, there's just no eggs quite like that. My grandma had a hen house and we would, we would go and we would get those eggs and, and I'm, I mean, it's just so good. I mean, we just, in the country, you eat breakfast morning, noon, and night. For one thing, it's cheap, you know, because you got the eggs and stuff and the chickens. And I mean, you know, you can have chicken and waffle or you can have eggs and pancakes and it's pretty much the same, you know, two commodities there. But one's a little more terminal than the other. But, 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 the, but the, the, this hen, this hen house burnt and they got all the, hens out and the baby's out and the egg's out, but this one hen couldn't, couldn't get her baby chicks to come out. They wouldn't follow her out, and she runs back in there, and, and the farmer goes back in, and he finds her, and she's burnt. She's dead, 
and he picks her up, and underneath are those baby chicks, alive, protected. That's the sense here of what he's saying. With his, with his very life, he would give to protect. You, you won't fear the terror of the night. See, the, the terror of the night, this isn't, this isn't things that are actually coming at you. This is just that, that fear that hits you, that, that sense that hits you in the night. Some of y'all know that terror. It comes in the night, and, and, and you lay awake, and you look at the ceiling, and you just want it to be morning again. The terror of the night, or, or the arrow that flies by day. No, this is a real thing here, this arrow that flies by day, or, or the pestilence that stalks in darkness. Think about when this was written, there was no real understanding of, of all things biology, of bacteria or viruses or things like that. But plagues would run through villages. No understanding of, of necessarily what kept things. A lot of Old Testament law is actually very health-related stuff. But these things would come through destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will look with your eyes and see the recompense, the, the justness of what happens to the wicked. But this is not because we're better than them. We, listen, I'm gonna talk about this next week. We are, we are not saved because we're better than anyone else. Matter of fact, there's only one real sin and that's self-reliance. The the. The sin is when we think it's up to us. And this is what, this is what he says. No, because, why? Why are you saved? Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the most high who is my refuge. Because we have trusted in him to be that refuge. No evil will be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. Verse 11 for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. And on their hands, they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. This is, this is the story of the fact that there is a realm that's bigger than what we see. Elisha, the, the bald prophet, do not mess with bald men of God. It's in the story in the Bible. You can, you can read it. What happens when they mess with Elisha? Uh, Elisha, was, was like James Bond prophet. God was telling him what was going on. The king of Syria was gonna kill the, the king of Israel. And, and it is, as best I can tell, uh, Victor Hamilton, Mr. Old Testament, is gonna be here November 13th. Um, you guys, don't miss November 13th. It's gonna, I'd like you to not miss any week between now and November 13th, online or here. But, but Victor Hamilton's gonna be here November 13th. We can ask him if this is Jehoram, but but it seems like it was Jehoram was the king of Israel, not a good guy, but God was still looking out for him for the sake of his people. And, and the king of Syria wanted to kill King Jehoram, and, and every time he would go to where he thought the king was, he would be gone because Elisha was knowing what the king was doing. So the king of Syria says to his, his aides, he says, so we have a traitor in our midst. And they said, no, he's got a prophet in his midst. So they're gonna, this king sends his armies to go and kill Elisha. And Elisha's disciple gets up one morning and he is scared to death because he sees everything that's around him. And this is what it, this is what it says over in, in 2 Kings. In 2 Kings 6, 15, it says, when the sermon of a man rose 
when the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and he went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was around the city. And the servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? And he said, don't be afraid. Listen to me, church. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Anita has a story at her boarding school. There was a coup and this one tribe was in war against another tribe there in Kenya. And there were a bunch of this of the ruling tribe's children at this boarding school, at this Christian boarding school. And these men came, and it was gonna be a massacre. But they stopped. Years later, a number of them came to know Jesus. Revival happened in the midst of that, redemption and repentance. And they asked them why they didn't come, and they said, are you crazy? That place was surrounded by huge men, biggest men we've ever seen. I got stories like that. We could go on all day long. But let me ask you, what happens when it doesn't work that way? Look at verse 13. Remember that. We're going to come back to it. You'll tread, he says, you'll tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. We have both of these kind of enemies in our lives. We have enemies that we see like the lion and like the adder, we don't. Most people that get bit by a snake never saw it. I mean, not many people go, oh, there's a snake. <laughs> hey, you know? I mean, most people don't do that. How do you get bit by a snake? You didn't even see it. They're, they tend to be nocturnal. You're walking around at night, and you step on them. Most of them, there's only a couple of varieties of snake that are kind of naturally aggressive. Most varieties, there's a couple that are territory, a couple that are, that are aggressive. Most of them are going to run away. But if you step on them, they'll strike. For some of us, there's, there's lions in our lives that, that are coming towards us. But for some, it's more like the adder. It's just something that you're out in life, and it's something that you didn't see, and it's something that comes up that you didn't see. You weren't aware of it at the time. Yeah, there are, for some, there's, there's, there's people but most of the time, it's that phone call that comes. It's that, it's that report that comes. Maybe it's, maybe it's, it's something in, in your business. You, you look at the quarterly report, and, and, and you know where you are on the, on the team. You realize just how tenuous it is, how tenuous life and job and, and all those kinds of things are. It's the, the lion and the adder. But what do you do when you get to this question of what happens when the angels, it seems, don't step in. You know, the devil knows scripture. And in Luke chapter four, he quotes to Jesus, he quotes to Jesus, verse 11. He'll command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they'll bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus has been in the wilderness 40 days. Devil comes to him, Jesus is hungry. I mean, you've been, you've been fasting 40 days. You're hungry. I, I mean, I, I'm, I try to do the intermittent fast thing. By about noon, I'm ready to kill a live animal. 
you know, just eat it raw. I'm so hungry. So, so, but Jesus is, Jesus is hungry and there's nothing like bread. Just close your eyes for a second. If you smell deep, you can probably smell. I, I need to do the second hour. I need to get bread smell and just pipe it into the room. I mean, nothing's quite like bread with some fresh country butter. I mean, oh, it's good. It's good. Don't worry. I'll get done quick. You can, there's donuts out in the portico. So, but, but he says, he says, you could turn these stones to bread. And what does Jesus say? Man doesn't live what? A bread alone. He quotes scripture to him. Then he takes him to the top of the temple and says, look, you know, you, you know what's coming. Can, can you really trust him? That, I mean, can you really trust him? Just throw yourself off. And he'll command his angels. What does Jesus say? You don't, you don't put God to a stupid test. This, that's not what this means. What, what does it mean? There's a much, much deeper meaning. I'm gonna put these scriptures up, up, on, up on the board for you that you can see them. Genesis 50, 20. Joseph has been in prison, sold by his brothers into slavery. I know, I know there's people in this room that I, I, I pray for you. I hear your stories that, that in, in conflict with family, it breaks your heart. You've done everything you know to do. Everything you know to do. You can't make it right. Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. He becomes the number two guy in Egypt, saves an entire people, and then dad dies, and they're like, now it's coming. Now little brother's gonna get, get his. What does he say? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. It doesn't say all things work together for easy. It doesn't say all things work together for painless. It doesn't say all things work together and it's all fun in the moment. It says for the good. There is a bigger reality when you dwell in the shelter of the Almighty. When you walk and rest in his shadow, there is a bigger reality than just the things that are right in front of you in the moment. And I know that there are places where you can go and you can hear a message that says, listen, if you love God, you're, you're, you'll have a better car and a better house and more money and you'll never get sick. And it's a Ponzi scheme. It works until you have given all your money and you're driving a 76 Ford Pinto. <laughs> and you can't even buy gas for that. And the doctor calls and it's bad. And somebody else comes in the door and takes your place. This is what Jesus says. Luke 21, you'll be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you will be put to death. Oh, great, sign me up, Lord. Yeah, you'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But look at verse 18. Not a hair of your head will perish. What does that mean? Matthew 28, he says, go and make disciples and baptize and, and teach them everything that I've commanded you. And then he says, whoa, 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 I'm gonna tell you the most important thing right now. This is the big thing right now. This is, this is bigger than all of that. That's big, that's big. 
All authority was granted to me. I'm telling you this, but I want you to get this beyond everything else. I want you to hear me on this. This is the most important thing that you can ever get. Listen, therefore, lo, behold, whatever your Bible says right there, I'm with you always. Here's the deal. If Jesus is first, you cannot be safer. If he's not, you can't be safe. If you're dwelling in the shelter of anything other than the Almighty, you're not safe, because I promise you it will fail. My, my doctor's in the room. I've been doing good on my diet, doc. But you know something? My doctor's first wife died under the best medical care in the world. You, my, my dad was the, did, did you put that picture of my dad up? That was the day before he died. He, listen, this world's not safe. These roads aren't safe. These bodies aren't safe. But when you dwell in the shelter of the Almighty, you are in his shadow. That's where safety is. That's the only place safety is. That's his 911. And when you're in the middle of his will, it doesn't mean that you don't, that there is no risk involved. It doesn't mean that there aren't things that, that are not gonna happen to you. But he is with you. That's the war cry of refuge that against the war cry of fear. You, you don't have to be afraid. Because whatever it is, he's dealt with it before. Is it death? He knows how to deal with death. Is it disease? He knows how to deal with disease. Is it rejection? He knows how to deal with rejection. Whatever it is. Is it family problems? He knows how to deal with family problems. Is it money problems? It seems like he's kind of homeless at the end of his life. He knows what it is. Is it emotional and mental torment? Read about the Garden of Gethsemane. We were at that stone. That stone, that, 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 that rock of grieving that he laid against and, and grieved till the point that he sweated blood. His blood pressure had raised to a point that he was literally sweating blood. Capillaries bursting. Jesus knows what it is. He says, you can come to me. You can come to me. And then it changes. It changes dramatically in verse 14. The one who is speaking is no longer the psalmist. The pronouns switch here. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. This is the father speaking. This is the father speaking about us. Because he holds fast to me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him. That long life 
it has a meaning that's bigger than just physical life. It's an eternity. There is a promise that goes past what we see and touch and feel and taste here and show him my salvation. We can choose to live one of two ways. We can live in that war cry of fear or we can live in that war cry of refuge. I wanna read you one more scripture. I'm gonna tell you a story and I'm done. Worship team, you guys get ready. Jesus has inspired Peter to write these words in 1 Peter chapter two. For to this you've been called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither with deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile. Jesus didn't return anger for anger. It says, it says he, when, he was, when he suffered, he did not threaten. But he, watch this, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. You can live in fear. You can revile and you can attack and you can live in that fear or you can live in that confidence. You can live in that confidence of knowing that you can live in the confidence of the war cry of refuge and you can live and you can entrust your courage even to someone who has courage in the moments we don't. About 15 years ago, I buried four kids from my youth group in 16 months. The first one was a football player at Brookwood. Kevin, super nice kid. At the time, one of very few black families that were at our church was the Wilsons. I love Kevin. He was a yes sir, no sir. Thank you, Pastor Randy. Good job, Kevin, good hit. Thank you, Pastor Randy. I did, didn't I, didn't I Pastor Randy? That's a good hit, wasn't it? Yes. Super nice kid. He got an autoimmune thing. They did everything. We have great, thank Jesus for where we live. I mean, we have great medical care for our kids. He was at Choa, they did everything. Complete blood transfusions, they did everything. And I buried him. Matt Lewis was my head lughead. Super athlete. He looked like Elijah Wood, so we called him Frodo. And he went around barefoot all the time. He, he kind of embodied that. He loved being called that. And um, got in a skateboard accident. I was holding his hand when he breathed his last. David was a missionary kid, loved baseball, and I would go over and we'd watch baseball games together. But Ashley was a um, middle schooler. She grew up Baptist, so I was always Brother Randy. Everybody else, Pastor Randy, Mr. Randy. I was always Brother Randy to Ashley. And Ashley is this Sweet, sweet girl. It was Halloween weekend, 
She had gone to a lock-in at another church and had come home and didn't feel good. And her dad called me that Sunday night and said, Randy, will you come down to Choa? I said, sure. He was crying. I got down there. I met him in the lobby. He said, I, I don't know what's going on. She's, she's, she's coded twice. They've brought her back. We don't know what's going on. By three, four in the morning, we knew she had cancer all throughout her body and all over her organs. Very, very aggressive. Had had no symptoms up until that time. Her parents did everything, flew her all over the country, did every treatment, every surgery, everything possible. And she um, seemed to be doing a little bit better. It was, it was midwinter. It snowed on that Saturday. She sat with her mom and watched the snow out the, out the glass of the back window of their house. I saw her Sunday at church. She was in, I saw her in, in class and, and I saw her in between and she looked afraid. And I went up to her, I said, Ashley, honey, you okay? She goes, I don't know, pastor, I don't know. That Wednesday, I was getting ready for lug. Her dad called and said, um, Randy, we're at the hospital. It looks like it's today. Will you come? So I made my way down. When I got, when I walked off the elevator there at the Aflac Cancer Unit, I saw the parents coming from both directions. And I met them and they said, Randy, she doesn't know, will you tell her? I said, yeah, I'll do that. So I went in and I sat down next to her and her, her eyes lit up and, and she said, hey, Brother Randy. And I read this psalm to her that I had read to her so many times, Psalm 91. And I said, now, sweetie, um, it looks like today you're gonna go to heaven. And her eyes got really big. I said, but listen, it's gonna be all right. Today you're gonna see Peter and Paul. Today you're gonna be Mary and Martha, and she started smiling. I said, you're gonna see my dad and my little girl, but listen, she's not a little girl and he's not an old man because we're 22 in heaven because that's as good as it gets right there. <laughs> I did, I said that, I promise. I said, all the disciples, all these people I've been telling you about, you're gonna get to meet them. She goes, Brother Randy? I said, yeah, honey. She goes, I get to see Jesus too, right? I said, yeah, I'm not exactly sure how Brother Randy missed that one. She goes, it's okay. So we sang and Aaron Keyes came down, if you know Aaron, and we did a concert in the room. All the nurses were in there. And about three o'clock, I um, said, honey, I... I need to go do love. Do, do you want me to stay? And she goes, no, you go do love, Pastor Randy. First time she called me Pastor Randy because my role was changing. And I went and I did love. And we were singing that song at the end, I believe you're my healer. And there's a line in that song that says, you are all I need. I believe you are all I need. You are all I need. 
And as we were singing that song, I got a text from her dad one minute ago. Ashley went home. If our trust is in anything other than Jesus, we're not safe. But if it's in him, you can't be more safe. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lion that is stronger than the lion that comes after you. He is the one who defeated sin and death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? There is a promise. There is a hope that goes past all those things because when you dwell in the shelter of the Almighty, you can rest in his shadow. That's our refuge. That's our promise. Would y'all stand, pray with me? Lord, across this room this morning, there are, fear has had a war cry. For, for some, it's job. For some, it's family. For some, it's, it's health. For some, it's broken relationship. For some, it's people. But Lord, whatever that war cry is, let us remember that you are our 911. You are the one who answers the call. And whatever it is, it's okay. So we put our trust in you. This is we take these elements, we receive these elements, we remember these elements today. This is your promise. Your body came and you walked this earth with a physical body. Your blood poured out your covenant for us. And we can trust in that by your grace. And whatever it is, we don't have to be afraid. Doesn't mean we won't. And when we do, we come back to that truth that's bigger. And one day, we will see you. And in the meantime, this is what you promise us. You are with us always. Amen.